Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you? What the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucking ears? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Welcome to it. I'm broadcasting from beautiful downtown Manhattan now. Uh, it's I'm way downtown. I'm on I'm Lower East Side downtown. I've moved from Midtown to downtown today. The weather. I'm looking out my window. It's it's fucking stunning. It's fall. It's crisp. It's clear. Leaves are changing on the trees that are sort of dotting the streets here in Manhattan. And uh, as always, after I stay here for a little while, I realize what an amazing. And successful experiment Manhattan seems to be on the level of humanity, just all types of different people coexisting up against each other all the time with uh, a seeming uh, amount of, uh, of you know, kind of uh, brash politeness. Uh, it seems that people who, who live here and people that visit here sort of know the dynamic between the two. <laughs> You see sort of strange groups of foreign tourists and uh, people from other states, you know, kind of wandering around in awe, somewhat uh, 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 stoned-ish just by the overwhelming nature of New York. And then you see uh, New Yorkers just kind of uh, mildly but aggressively moving through the crowd. You know, there was some, you can feel, not not tension, just sort of like, hey, hey, what, I, you know what I mean? When tr I'm, I'm trying to get by here. What are we doing? What are we doing? Huh? A little bit of that. Tomorrow's a day. Yeah, I think that I'm having a hard time focusing right now because everybody needs to vote. And I think most of you who listen to this show uh, understand that. I, I think that uh, it's the best shot we have at having any hope. Look, we have a problematic two-party system in this country at this juncture in history. And those two parties are us and them. And that's uh, the way it goes on either side. And the fact that it's so strangely almost evenly split in terms of these poll numbers is disturbing and implies that maybe it's not going to be over on Tuesday. Maybe it could go on for weeks with recounts and weird accusations and, and conspiracy theories. I don't know, but I know that I hear the word decency a lot. You hear, I hear people on TV saying, you know, let's a return to decency. And, and I think that's a reasonable thing because being decent is not, it's not about righteousness. It doesn't mean you're a good person. It just means you behave properly within the context of treating other people uh, with respect. The one fundamental thing that democracy needed to sort of move forward was a, a certain amount of tolerance. And that was just too much for people. A tolerance of diversity, 
of of potential. It, it just it was too much for too many people to handle. And once that you know they 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 ripped that need to tolerate off, uh, we just you know, opened up this portal to the worst fucking behavior of uh, and the worst ideas that human beings are are capable of. And, that, and certainly everybody's capable. Everybody has it in them to be intolerant and shitty because of their own fear, their own insecurities, their own lot in life. But to have all those things stoked up and to have all this fucking violence and insane hatred, it's just like it's so fucking uncomfortable and just goddamn scary. So I hope some movement is made tomorrow in the direction of maybe reining a little bit of that in. I, I don't know if we're going to get it all back. I don't know if we ever will. I don't know, yeah, honestly, if this country is ever coming back. But it it would be nice to uh, to have a little hope tomorrow that things can move in a direction where decency, tolerance, moral behavior, inclusion, you know, starts to sort of uh, make a little headway. But tomorrow's the day. So uh, do us all a favor, will you? Vote. Uh, there are a few tickets left for my Saturday night show at the Beacon in New York City as part of the New York uh, Comedy Festival. You can go to WTFPod.com slash tour for the ticket link. That's actually this Saturday, November 10th at 7.30 p.m. And if you're at the Beacon show, you'll have the first chance to buy the new WTF t-shirt, which was designed by Aaron Draplin. We'll have a uh, limited number of those for sale at the Beacon, and then they'll be going on sale in the merch store. But it is kind of wild to be down here on the Lower East Side. I'm, I'm literally very close to uh, Katz's Delicatessen. And it was funny because with all this violent anti-Semitism that is happening around the world and in this country, when I get down here, when I'm on the Lower East Side, I do sort of really connect with, with, uh, with American Jewishness, with what I come from, with, with uh, you know, New Jersey, with just the whole journey and my sort of weird appreciation of, of at different points in my life of everything that was part of that American Jewish experience. I just had an interesting experience with, uh, you know, walking out to go do some comedy spots at the cellar the other night. Some guy comes running out of Katz's Deli. He says, I'm a big fan. I, I do my own podcast. I want you to be on my podcast. I, I work at Katz's. You know, why don't you come in tomorrow? You know, tomorrow morning, I'll, I'll, you, we have breakfast. I can make you like a... Uh, you know, uh, locks, eggs, and onions, and we could talk a little bit. This guy Dave from, uh, I think the podcast is uh, Dopey, it's called. And um, so I thought about it. Usually I'm sort of like, really, am I going to do that? But, you know, he sort of got me, you know, I got into that brain. It's like, do I, I'd like to have a reason to go sit in Katz's and, you know, sit in that sort of timeless vessel of American Judaism and cuisine. A uh, very specific thing. I worked in a deli when I was in college, at the last Jewish deli in Boston, Gordon's Deli. And, uh, you know, there was a, there's always been something about, the, you know, old Jews that sort of informed my car- my comedy and informed the way I think about things from a very young age. Like on Thursday, I'm going to have Buddy Hackett's son on the show. Oh, by the way, today I'm going to talk to Rita Rudner another Jewish comedian. But, uh, but I, I went. I got up the next day and I went over there. And, uh, you know, I had some lox eggs and onions and I sat in Katz's, which seems like it hasn't changed in a hundred years. And apparently I thought it went through some bad periods, but no, it's back and it's very popular. It's the only place in town where you can get the, the sort of hand cut corned beef and pastrami and brisket. 
And he, you know, I had a lox eggs and onions. Yeah, I'm still doing the diet thing, but I really needed to taste the meat. So he had the, the cutter give me a little sampling of the brisket, of the corned beef, of the pastrami. And it's just, it, it connects me to something uh, historical and something that is, you know, very deep in my identity. It's just, there's something about being on the Lower East Side. There's something about being in New York that uh, brings it out of me. You know what I'm saying? I've been doing sets down the village. It's been awesome. I've been seeing my old friends. Spent some time with Dave Attell uh, the other night. Uh, I saw uh, who was who was there last night. Me and Todd Barry. Todd Barry wandering the streets. The last two nights, I've walked from the village back down to the Lower East Side with Todd Barry, and it just reminded me that almost thirty years ago, me and Todd Barry had a hard time getting booked in many of the bigger clubs when we were starting out in the city, and we would wander around the streets just talking about why we couldn't get booked at some of the clubs in the city. 30 years ago, I can't believe it's that long. Man, I must have learned something in 30 years. It's very strange, when, especially when you don't have kids, so you can't see you know, your life passing before your eyes in the form of another person growing up. But, uh, but you know, I, I see Todd, and uh, we're just kind of wandering around, and it's, it's not even nostalgic. It's just sort of nice that, you, that there are these relationships that you have that you may not maintain, but you, you, you know each other for a long time, and you just sort of step right back into it. And there we were walking around, talking about comedians, talking about clubs, talking about where we're at in our lives, and wandering the streets of New York 30 years later, almost 30 years later. So I got this uh, this email, and, and I think it indicates something, or it implies something. Not even implies, it just made me think. This uh, subject line is Busy's dad. Hi, Mark. When you and Busy, she's talking about uh, Phillips. When you and Busy discussed her father on your podcast, you started riffing on how engineers can be emotionally aloof. I know you aren't stating a hard and fast rule, but I just wanted to let you know that my husband, who has a PhD in nuclear engineering and works as a material scientist, is a man who hugs his father and his son, who rescheduled work so he could coach 17 seasons of his son's various sports, and who cried every time he read certain books to his children, in particular first tomato by rosemary wells he doesn't talk much about his work but that's because it is classified love the podcast and i started thinking about that about how you know when i make general statements like that which i do i do i make general statements about uh, all kinds of different groups of people they're generally not ethnic groups aside from uh, Jews, which I, I am uh, one, but uh, and I, I think that gives me license, but I'm not even sure that is true. But I think that I need to qualify things a little bit because I do make blanket statements about that. And I think that's where people, you know, that's where we get into trouble. I, I think that I, I, I don't even know where it comes from. Well, actually, I do with the engineer things. You know, we make these assumptions about math nerds or about engineering nerds. And I, you know, certainly I've met some that are, you know, socially a, a little bit uh, awkward or, or perhaps uh, you know, emotionally uh, detached. But uh, how many really? How many have I really met? How many do I really know? Yeah, I knew some in high school. I've met some in my life, but we're talking like a handful. And so I make this generalization about engineers and math mathematicians because it makes sense. But I think the truth of the matter is if I go deeper, it's because uh, I can never wrap my brain around math. Most of my energy went into uh, uh, to being entertaining or to entertaining other people, to being social, to being a, a comedian. So uh, I probably have a natural kind of envy or insecurity around people who are able to do mathematics and uh, 
and and do whatever her PhD in nuclear engineering husband does. I, I probably wish I could do that, but I know there's part of me that knows there's no way I could do it. I don't have the discipline or the focus. I never did. I never had the interest. I don't have a knack for it. So anytime you have a uh, a lack or a uh, shortcoming or a characterological uh, flaw or inability that makes you insecure, you know, why not judge others that have it in a way that makes you superior? Doesn't that seem to be the problem of just about everything that's going on? Isn't that at the core of bullying, of uh, racism, of uh, almost everything? It's there in all of us. You know, there, there's something there in all of us. There's very few people that are that together, that are that grounded and that uh, self-assured or comfortable in their skin that you can't poke at something in there and get a little bit of hate, get a little bit of uh, of shitty envy, get a little bit of uh, uh, hostile feelings, get a little bit of judgment. It's right under the surface, apparently, for a lot of people. And that's, uh, where's that coming from? Is that uh, based on logic or intellect or, or facts of any kind? No, it's based on fear, insecurity, and uh, envy. But I think that's you know, part of that journey. A threatened sense of self. How fragile is our sense of self? What do you really know about you? Are you who you think you are? This is how I start my day, which I am doing right now. <laughs> So Rita Rudner, Rita Rudner is somebody I remember from you know back when I was starting out. She was one of the great comics. She was. She is. She's still doing it. And she's still doing it a lot, and she's still doing it well. A singular voice, and uh, one of the great comics of her generation. And it was uh, amazing and thrilling to uh, to to get the opportunity to talk to her. Uh, her new comedy special, A Tale of Two Dresses, is now available on digital and on-demand platforms. You can also check out RitaRudner.com to see where she's performing around the United States. This is my conversation with the amazing Rita Rudner. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you. Get it now wherever you get your podcasts. How old is your daughter? 16. 16? Mm-hmm. And you, like... We're not going to have kids, or you just... I couldn't have kids. Uh Uh-huh. I can tell you all this. I have no secrets, so I can tell you... Well, you're telling it to me now. We're 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 rolling. Oh, okay. (laughs) No, I couldn't have children. Uh Uh-huh. And um, we tried for a while. Yeah. And I said to Martin, uh, 
we'd been married for maybe, you know, we got married and then we didn't talk about it because I was doing my shows and he was producing yeah. shows in England and Australia. Yeah. And we were, I was, we said, you know, he, yeah. we didn't really want to do anything. And I said, you know, I'm getting older here because <laughs> yeah. we got married when I was, I guess, 35 or yeah. something and or 34. And he said, I don't want kids either. So then when I'm like around 44 or something, he goes, let's have kids. And I went, well, you know, you should have mentioned this before because <laughs> yeah. it's just not, yeah. you know. So I go to my doctor and I took a blood test and she said, you have a 1% chance of ever getting pregnant. <laughs> Wait, and was that because of your age or just because? Age. Oh, really? Well, yeah, she yeah. said. And so, you know, I said, well, you know, I'm not good at math, but 1%, that's not not, not, not good odds. Yeah, of course. So... um we started talking about surrogacy, yeah. and I said, I'm not comfortable with that. And, and with the, he, he, you get, hire somebody his and his stuff and her stuff yeah. and my stuff is left out. Right. And I said, you know, I need my stuff. <laughs> yeah. Either no stuff or my stuff or your... No, it's not going to work <laughs> right. like that. So uh, we I, we kind of put it on the, the back burner. Uh-huh. And so I'm riding, coming back once, and he doesn't even know this. So yeah. I'm coming, flying back. Don't tell me you surprised him and showed up with a child. Yeah, I, I stole a child. <laughs> so uh, I'm flying back, and next to me on the plane, I'm flying back from New York, is Ben Stein. And I'm talking to Ben Stein. And was this he, when he was an entertainer or a uh, Republican pundit and speechwriter? Oh, it wasn't. I don't. All I knew is that he was in a game show and right. did commercials. Oh, yeah. oh good. Yeah, there you go. No. So, because uh, it was, well, she's 16, so this must be 17, When he was on Ask Ben. Uh, yeah, one of the, he was on Comedy Central. Yeah, Take Ben Stein's Money or something. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. 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 So I'm sitting there and he goes, I can't wait to get back to my son. Mm. And I said, he's he's so fantastic. And I said, so I'm starting to talk about children. Yeah. He said, adopting a child was one of my favorite things I've ever done. And I said, really, how did you do it? So he explained how he did it, and I made mental notes. I yeah. came back and I said, Martin, this is how you do it. Yeah. So I how called, did you do it? Uh, I called up the lawyer that he recommended, yeah. the adoption lawyer, and we got interviewed. And then he did his lawyer thing uh-huh. that he does where he knows how to put things in sure. ads and people answer them and yeah. we do the thing. And uh, then we set, you set up a little uh, separate phone for mm-hmm. when you get the call and you talk to people on the phone. Yeah, and you set up a separate phone? Yeah, because it's just like the bat phone. Uh-huh. And when the bat phone, oh, oh, it's right, the bat right. phone, it's the There's bat phone. one available, let's we, see if we can get we, it. Or? No, it's the person who is is pregnant oh, right. and wants to just see if they you can have a conversation. Oh, that's how you did it. My brother did it that way too. Yeah. So you were, you were talking to people who were already about yes, to have babies. Yes, and you know, you see if they're, and mm-hmm. so this this lady called, and we had a conversation, and uh, she asked us to send her some information, yeah. and Martin, because he's a producer, yeah. so he puts together this brochure <laughs> of who we are and what we are, and with a big picture with, of my dog, because no, our dog is fantastic. Uh-huh. We have a big sheep dog, like a, a mixed up sheep dog, yeah, who's no in DVD? my act. A DVD? Uh, it would have been a DVD <laughs> if he could have done it. Yeah. So he does this magnificent presentation. We got along great and we took care of her it was an open thing and we we took her to the doctor and we helped her we did everything Uh and we have a lovely girl who's 16 years old now and she's fantastic that's great yeah my brother did three kids that way ah and uh do do you have a relationship with the mother still or does she no she wanted to go on her way Uh and do her thing and we we uh we we didn't hide. I mean, sure. I'm not hidden. Right. I have no, no. a Facebook page. Right. <laughs> she but can con- contact sure. me at any time. And you've told, and your daughter knows. Oh yeah. Yeah. From the beginning of time. I got into yeah. a, a little problem recently from a couple of people adopted adoptive parents. 
when I asked um, uh, uh, someone who was adopted uh, if he has any relationship with his real parents, and they got very upset. Yeah, you know, people say yeah. that they don't mean anything by no, it. No, no, but it's. I, I guess I can see how it would be sort of insulting in a way. You know not, what? There's so you. many other things I can be insulted. People have said, said that to me all the time. What do I care? Yeah. I know who I am. Right. And But you're the real parent. Yeah. And you, you guys. I'm from... there. I'm doing vocab with her every <laughs> night. And I know who I am. Yeah. So, she got 100 last week, by oh, the way. Oh, congratulations. Brag, yeah. That's very yeah. nice. <laughs> well, you know, it's, it's really great to see you because I've known who you are for a long time. Well, I've been around a really long time. I know, but you were like a, you you're a big comedian. No, yes. you're very people say I say I'm going to do your show and they go, "Why does he want to talk to you? No. He's in and you're out." That is not true. <laughs> no true. one said that. I mean, I still there is I I try well, to... I can see when I listen to you, you love comedy. Yeah. And you're and I love comedy. Well, I was so, in it. Well, I know. We live in it. But I mean, I am steeped in comedy as yes. you are steeped in comedy. Yeah. Like you say we're lifers. That's right. And I just, you know, that's who I am. I know never did comedy where I said, you know, I mean, there were always people in in the clubs who said, I'm a lawyer, but yeah. I'm doing comedy. I'm this. And you have to you have to say yeah. all in. Yeah. So well, I'm yeah. all in. I, and I can't. I, I have a hard time with people who still talk about their day jobs in their act. No, you can't, can't have a day job. You have to that? spend the day trying to write, yeah. Trying, yeah. trying to write jokes and then not coming up with something. That's right. Yes. Yeah, That's all how day. you have to. De- and then at the end, then you have two words in your notebook and yeah. then you go yeah, yeah, and you yeah. try to make something of them. <laughs> the two words or the oh, one thought. God. A, a shrapnel. All I got is shrapnel today. Yeah, I got to exactly. try to make a joke about yeah, that. Yeah, I, I know the. Feel. I still carry around the notebook. I have the notebook too. Yeah. yeah, and I don't. I don't write it on my phone. I don't write it on the computer. I've, I just. I've tried compulsively. The fo- you know what? I've I've started phoning, doing the phone. But do you check it? Um, I mean, I used to what the notepad thing on the phone. N- yeah, because or do you uh, talk into it? No, I can't talk. I'll never find myself talking again. Yeah. I have a little notepad, but I accidentally erased it. Because I pressed something. Phone. Yes. Right, that's the problem. And Martin had to, because he does things like yeah. that, and he had to get it back through all whatever he did. Yeah. So now I do double. Right. I have the phone, and I put it in a notebook. Oh, well, good. So yeah. you, be, you got backup. Yeah. And let's go back, because like, we, um, we're Jews, right? Oh, Jews, yeah. And today's Yom Kippur. This we're true. bad Jews. Yeah, we're bad Jews. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. So where did you like grow up? Where was your Jewishness uh Well, um, I grew up in Miami, Florida. Really? Yeah. People grow up in Miami, My, Florida. Born in Miami. Your, yes. Both your parents were Miami people? No, they're from New York. So they went to Miami. My they, father they, said, I'm never going to be cold again. And he enough. said, um, and he didn't like his brother's wife who lived in California. Yeah. So he went to Florida. And and, the, and that's where, did and he retire there or he worked there? He, he grew was up a lawyer. In, in, was, in Florida. Yeah, he was a lawyer in Florida. And do you have siblings? No, just me. Oh, really? And my mom was housewife. Yeah. And my mother was kind of religious. And my father was too lazy to be religious because he was a very lazy person. Like what kind of? Like kosher kind of? No, just, you know, with a lot of this and hard-boiled eggs and Passover. Oh, you did the Shabbat candles and whatnot? Only when we went to our Aunt Beattie's and Uncle Mo's. um, (laughs) Beattie and Mo. Beattie and Mo. Yeah. Um, But what happened was my mother got very sick and she died. And she was sick most of my life. And she died when I was 13. Oh, that's terrible. I know. It wasn't good. So my father, who was very lazy, uh, he looked over here and went, oh, there's a wife. And he married her because he didn't want to look anymore. How was that one? Well, she was bad. (laughs) And she wasn't Jewish. And then we had seven Christmas trees. She didn't like me. And she wanted to like start a whole family and didn't want me there. Did they? Uh, no, oh. because they should have discussed that before he said, oh, look, there's a wife over there. He right. should have said, okay, I let's discuss, but he didn't, because yeah. he's lazy. Yeah. So I left home when I was 15. And 15? Yeah. I moved out. I moved what year to was that? 
Um, I think 1857. Wow, things were different then. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah. No, but was it like the 70s, or was it like because I was 15? I'm. I just turned 65. Congratulations! So thank you. I'm. I go to Old Lady um, Disneyland now. I can go on all the e-ticket machines. Oh, that's very nice. Yes, cat scans, MRIs, you name it. Early bird specials. Yes, early bird specials. That's me. (laughs) So uh, whenever that was, because I can't lie about my age, because the internet is there and it tells everything. But I'm just curious about like you know a 15 year old girl departing. I know, isn't that weird? Like, was it the 70s? It must have been the 70s. Well, I was born in 1953, and I was 15, so do the math, because I'm not so good at 68. math. So 68. So it was a very yeah. exciting time. I guess. I, I mean, w- did you run away? No, I took a plane. He bought me a ticket. <laughs> oh, he, he wanted you out. He yes. was like, you seem good enough to go. <laughs> he said, what, okay. With family, or were you going to- No. <laughs> really? No. Just, here you go. Yes. I got it. This one doesn't like you. I, you got to leave. I, he, well, she preferred me uh, that I shouldn't be there, and I wanted to be a dancer on Broadway. So That's, you went to New York at 15? in 1968 by yourself? Yes. And I moved into the Barbizon Hotel for Women. And what is that? It was a, it was a hotel. Yeah. Do you like this story or Love not? It. Okay, because I don't want to make a bad story for you because you're, no. you're a very good person. Oh, no, okay. no, no. I, I'm just so they had little rooms and my evolution. dad subsidized me until right. I got a job when I got Well, a, that was big of him. He threw you out of the house and he, <laughs> he decided he'd carry your weight for a little while. Yeah. <laughs> what a nice guy. <laughs> well, it was cheaper than college, you know. <laughs> So and I did. I thought he was saving money. Yeah, he said this is a bargain here. <laughs> so I got. Um, I well, I graduated high school. I skipped eleventh grade. I did. I did. Yeah. I did. I just did twelfth grade. I said I don't want to bother with eleventh grade. Yeah. I gra- took extra courses in the summer. You really wanted out of Florida. I, she hated me. She just was a terrible. Did he stay married to her? Uh, until she died too. Yes. No kidding. Yeah, of the same thing my mother died of. So then he wow. didn't want to get married anymore. But anyway, she was a lunatic. Right. And so um, I I wanted to be a dancer. I was already a pretty good dancer. I have to tell you. Now, like just real quick, in in retrospect, uh, given that childhood and given that relationship, do you think it affected you psychologically? Absolutely. It, how How did you track it? Like, um, do you I, have abandonment things or no? What. I, I don't know. There are different ways you can use neuroses. Right. And I chose a good way to right. use I, what I, the, the way I chose, and it was, wasn't a conscious decision. Me neither. It was to keep myself busy. Yeah. And tired. Yeah. And I tired. didn't want to Tired's deal. Important. Yeah. Tired is <laughs> Exhaust really. Exhaust yourself with anxiety. That's what I did. No, listen to what I did. <laughs> so I was so upset about my mother and yeah. the things, and it was just awful. And this, this horrible woman living in my house who tore down my mother's wallpaper and put Ugh. furniture in, and yeah. I just had to get away. So I decided to be a dancer on Broadway. But what? Tell me about Barbizon. This oh, it hotel. was. For, oh, why is it for women? Was it safe? It was only for women? for women. Yeah, only women were allowed. Was and it an entertainment thing, or was it was it? for old, um, like um, divorcees and uh, young girls? So there were women other, in transition, or old ladies right. who never well, that's got married. Transitioning um, to something. Yeah. But I mean, it was just wait. What do you call the people who um, never get married? The Spinster? Spinsters, yeah. Oh, yeah. Old, like I don't old know if ladies. Is that still a real term? Did, I don't know. Maybe I, somebody's yeah, going to yell it. at me for yeah. doing that. But it's, anyway, so um, it was like a little room. The bathrooms down the hall. Oh, hall bathroom. And yeah, and bathtub is you know you had to make a reservation, get in the bathtub, uh-huh. and um, and you're 15. Yeah. And there's 15. other 15 year olds there. There was one other 16-year-old who um, was on scholarship with the New York City Ballet, because those are the other kinds of people who were in, because that's ballerinas, they leave home very early to go study in New York. And their parents are okay. I guess, I, yeah, I guess it's okay. I, I, I don't know. It sounds well, crazy. I, it is crazy. I would never let but my you daughter had do no, this. Right. So you had no leads? 
No, I just knew that I wanted to be a dancer on Broadway. And you could dance already? You were yeah, I've been taking ballet, tap, jazz, acrobatics since I was four. Well, you, have and, a, you look like a dancer. Well, thank you. I, I've always been, I love dancing, mm-hmm. and I was that's all I wanted to do. But what I did was I exhausted. I would take ballet in the morning. I yeah. would take tap in the afternoon. I would take jazz at night. I would go out to shoes shows. I would do that. And I would just, so I exhausted myself. And then um, I got my first job when I was 16. Dancing. And, yeah, and, uh, the National Company of Zorba. I was a professional. Who was Zorba? Um, John Raitt was Zorba, uh-huh. and Cheetah Rivera was the lead. Ah. And I went on tour for nine months with this company, and I was 16 in Zorba. All over the country? All over the country, yeah. And you were one of the dancing girls. I was the swing girl, and I didn't know what that meant. They just I wasn't equity when I auditioned, right. so I needed to get into the union because I went to an open call where thousands of people, and I was so excited, and they said, you're the swing girl, and I actually thought that I had a rope that I used to swing in on, but <laughs> <You're> the- <laughs> I didn't know. I said, okay, but I learned everybody's parts, right. which was great um, right. practice and preparation for learning things. It's so amazing to me that in show business, and, and I think it still happens today that like wanting to be a dancer was not it it was equally as irrational as any decision to get into show business but it was a profession and it still seems to be a profession and i it it, is a profession what do you mean seems it's a profession i just mean like you know because (laughs) i'm saying that your occupational possibilities are somewhat limited Absolutely. People, in fact, I had an aunt who said, um, you're crazy to let your daughter do this. And because she has you to go do? You to gotta, college. You got to be in a musical. You got to be in a traveling show. You got to be a rockette. I mean, you know, sometimes you see the you know, dancers. The odds on, were so against me. Even more than comedy. Anything. Almost more than any other ele- well, area Well, comedy was pretty bad, too, with right, the so, odds. So, well, but, but anyway, I just to do briefly, I did six Broadway shows. I was on Broadway for 10 years. And what now, your experience with that... Um, like, was it thrilling? Was it the best thing that you ever did? Oh, did I you, loved it. And you work with great people. Yes. Well, who are some of the people you work with in uh, dancing? Well, I... Gower, Gita Rivera. Yeah, Gower Champion. I did Mac and Mabel from the beginning with David Merrick and Gower Champion. Oh, wow. And um, I did Follies on Broadway with Michael Bennett and Hal Prince. And uh, Annie on Broadway with Peter Gennaro, Martin Shornan. And let's see what other shows I did. Um uh, magic Show, Grover Dale, the magic Stephen show? Schwartz. Yeah. With Doug Henning? Well, he wasn't in it when I was in it. No? Um, no, but uh, Joe Abaldo was in it, who huh. was a really nice and uh, fabulous guy. And did you get to see the country when you toured at, at, as a 16-year-old? Yeah, I Zorba? saw the whole country, and I'd never been anywhere. Were you, so were you traveling on a bus? We we planned. It was, it was a national tour. It wasn't a bus and truck. So we did planes. And because I was so young... Um, it was almost as if I had 20 parents looking out for me. That's good. Was there one creepy uncle? No. No. <laughs> it wasn't any creepy. <laughs> but what I did, I didn't have a lot of people who wanted to talk to me, so I adopted a, a stray dog. Uh-huh. And it, her name was, I named her Agatha. And she was, again, a huge sheepdog. And I took her on the road on the plains, and I had a big crate. I don't know. Was I it another a, sheepdog? I, loved, I like hairy dogs, yeah. I grew up with old English sheepdogs. Well, she wasn't a real. She was a combination Afghan, they said, Afghan yeah. and poodle and something right. else. But yeah. she was just adorable. So, so were you, like, uh, did you hit a wall, or? You know, why did you not keep dancing? I was in my 
sixth Broadway show. Yeah. And I'd been on Broadway for 10 years. 10 years? Yeah. And you were making a living. You had your equity card. I did card. really well. I was yeah. doing commercials all the time. And I did industrial shows. Right. And I was on Broadway. I was doing- Industrial shows, like uh, trade shows? Yeah. You would dance for- the like Continental, a- the Comet, and the New Marquis, the Midsize Montego, and the Sexy Capri. And then there's the Cougar and the Great Mark Three more kinds of cars for more kinds of people. It just <laughs> doesn't leave you. It doesn't go away. No, it doesn't go everything, away. Everything else goes away, but that's not that's going That's not going anywhere. Yeah. I did. I danced about I danced about cheese, about <laughs> clocks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I knew I knew how to make a living. So uh, I was a singing waitress. I was a coachette girl. You got it. So after no, when were you singing waitress? Oh, all, you know, in between jobs, you got to figure it out. Oh, I see. Yeah. So and, and it's funny because people have this vision of me. I think because I wear a dress and I yeah. stand up straight because yeah. I was in dance that I had an easy time. Oh no. You know. Yeah. And they even say it in sometimes in comedy when I I do things like who writes your material? And yeah. I do. Yeah. What do you mean? That's... Yeah. I have a guy in the back who's yeah, sitting yeah. there with a pencil. Well, I think some. Some people, like, you know, as as we both know, that there are comics, as they get older, do hire people to write for them. Yes, that's true. However, that, those are people, I think, who have to produce more material than I have to produce. Right. Because if, you, if you're on TV every night and the world is changing no, every minute. No, I mean, like Jimmy Walker, like, you know, people like you know, Ron White's got a bunch of guys writing for him. I mean, I guess so. I mean, but it's still sort of, I, I respect it a great deal that you write your own stuff. I, can, I couldn't say it. And people say, oh, here's a joke. You can say, no, I can't say it unless I think of it. But even people that know you, I mean, you're very unique and you're very stylized. Yeah. You, there's no one that's come up to you and said, like, you know, I get your voice. Look at these bits. They've and you... tried. <laughs> and they and I read what they write. And I go, I can't say You know, why not would me. I? It's not me. No, yeah. it's got to come from something in my brain. So, okay. Okay, so, so no... I'm 27. I'm in Annie on Broadway. And I'm thinking. Oh, that's when, that's how, uh, that's. Yeah. But, but like. But like during these times, like the, I mean, New York was a very exciting, sort of menacing, you know, sexy, drug-ridden place in the '70s, and you managed to avoid all that. There's nothing in my makeup that would go that way. I don't know why. It's not a conscious decision. Again, I just not a party girl. No, yeah. I like being home. I like reading. I like watching TV. I That's like good. being with one friend. I like <laughs> one boyfriend. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's just not not who but I am. But you saw it. You must have seen what was happening. It was like, downstairs. Oh, okay. I stayed upstairs. <laughs> It's true. So I'm a catcherizing star. Wait, and, that's but wait, we didn't get there yet. Oh, I'm sorry. You're an Annie, but we only have a limited amount of time. No, I can keep you here as long as you. Oh, will. but I, I don't want to go over my allotted time. There's no allotted time. <laughs> okay, but 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 so, so you're an Annie. Yeah, and I'm sitting there, and I'm because I really, even though I went to school and I legally have a high school, you know, graduation certificate, I felt I was not educated. So I used to read the New York Times every day. Sure. That was my education. How did that go? Did you? I, <laughs> it's, it hard, was, it's hard sometimes, isn't it? it no, it, but I would like to say there's got to be something interesting in every section of this paper and I can learn something do, from do you, it. Yeah. But do you find like even when I, if I read about politics, especially about like legal stuff, like, you mm. know, court decisions and stuff, I sometimes cannot figure out whether it's good or bad. Like, I don't know the language and like sometimes I, I do skip not over under- that bit you <laughs> okay. just skip over it and you go what can I get out of what's written here good so yeah. I would you know because I said I shouldn't just look at the arts and entertainment mm-hmm. section I should look at other things yeah travel so, anything yeah, there could be like a Business. place I, I'm not saying I read the international whole yes you can okay. you ha- tell me when you finished I'm done okay uh, <laughs> but it's true so I said I'm gonna look at an article or yeah. two from each section. Sure. So I'm sitting there. It's between shows and Annie. 
And um, I'm looking at the business section, and I read an article about uh, soft soap, which is just being introduced into the market. Soft soap? Soft soap. This kind of squirt? Yes. Oh. And it had never been introduced before. And you're trying to figure uh, out a dance number for it? Yeah, soft soap. <laughs> I was writing a soft soap song. <laughs> so I'm going, well, let's see. They say you can either, this is the way you introduce a new product into the market. You can either make the same product and try to make it better, right. or you can create a new product that has its own individuality. So we decided with soft soap, there wasn't a soft soap on the market. And we were going to go in there, and it was a huge success. The Instead of soap? making a bar soap, it was the first soft soap. I yeah. Can't, yeah. Okay. So I said, well, let's see. There are millions of singers and dancers and actresses, and um, there are only two female comedians that I'm aware of, which were Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller. So if I can be unique in a female comedic voice... Maybe I can get noticed more than if I can turn and kick. So this all hinged on the soft soap uh, uh, catharsis? Yeah, yeah, in the business section of the New York Times. So I said, well, let me try to to write jokes. So Were you a fan? I was like a dormant comedy fan. But like that, why, why out of everything at that moment when you're reading Because I tried soap? everything else. I, I, was, I'm not, I wasn't getting, you know, I, I didn't have a boyfriend at that time. I didn't have any money at that time. I was just like making a living on, I said, I've got to wait for someone to write a show, right. to cast me. Right. I've got to be what they want. The show has to succeed. Somebody has to come to, yeah. I said, this is, these are too many obstacles. Did you go to comedy clubs? Never before. Okay, so okay, so he's Phyllis Diller and Joan Rivers. I just saw them on Merv Griffin. Right. Oh know, yeah, Merv Griffin. Sure, because you were home a lot watching TV. Well, because I I worked at night. Right. And so, <laughs> so I said, let's try to go. So I started going to comedy clubs. Which ones were around then? The, the Improv, because Annie was on Fiftieth Street, and I would walk down on Eighth Avenue to go to 44th, the Forty Fourth, right? Yeah, original. With and Bud was still there. No, Silver was there. Oh, Bud was already gone. S- yeah. Silver was there, and that was, um, that's always Chris a party. Albrecht. Oh yeah, Silver is always exciting. Silver, I have good Silver stories. So um, you want still me to around? S- really? Yeah. You want me to tell me? I'll, not, I can yeah, do we'll it quickly. It, no, we'll stay in the evolution. Oh, it's going to be so long. It's that not going to be are, long. I'm going to find it in. But are no, you sure? this is great. You're okay. already interesting. I, okay, like, so I, it's a roller coaster. We're excited. We're, oh, on, a, we're okay, on the Rita yeah. Rudner ride. So I go and I say, um, I start to look at some comedians, and I remember I talked to. He won't remember this, but um, Steve Middleman. I talked to Steve Middleman. Steve Middleman. With the no chin guy. No, yeah. Yeah. I was a male model. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I modeled socks. So I go, <laughs> so I talk to Steve Millman and I say, yeah. how much is it to write comedy, uh, to buy comedy material? Because yeah. I'd never written a joke. Yeah. He said, well, it's going to be, a, you know, $3,000 for five minutes. And oh, he was going to write for you. Yeah. Oh, he- and <laughs> $3,000 for five minutes and there's no guarantee it'll work. And I said, oh my gosh, I got to learn how to write comedy. I don't have $3,000 and there's no guarantee it's going to work. This is a bad deal. Yeah. So... Uh, but like, be real quick though, or not even quick. So, so when you start going the improv, you remember you met Steve Middleman. Mm-hmm. But like, who else was going on? Did you see other Gilbert? Women? Okay, Gilbert. Gilbert. Judy the, Orbach, who oh, was wow. a singer. This is at the original improv. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the little room. Forty Fourth Beautiful. Street. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I said, Rich. Um, Oh, he wrote Sniglets. Rich, oh, yeah, Rich Scheidner. No, 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 no Rick Hall. Rich Hall. Rich Hall. Yeah. And Rick, Rick Scheidner. Scheidner. And Donna yeah. Murphy, who's on Broadway now, was a singer. Yeah. And, um, and that's when they had a variety format still? Uh, they did have some singers still? They had still? some singers, yeah. And this is like 19, yeah. what, 80? I guess. Yeah, yeah, about 1980, 81, somewhere uh-huh. there. 
And um, so I sit there and I go, oh, okay, let's try and write jokes. And did I, you think about dancing too or doing a musical no, thing? No, I want to leave leave that behind. I oh, did that. I did that done. since I was four. Right. It's over. And I was a, I was an okay singer, but I, I would listen to singers audition on Broadway and not get jobs, and they were fabulous. Yeah. And I would see actors, and they were fantastic. They wouldn't get work. I said, I got to get, there has to be better odds than this. Yeah. My heavens. Right. So um, So Middleman's offer did not uh, pique no, your interest? No. I said, I know. That's not yeah. happening. So I said, how do you learn to write jokes? So I said, who do I like? And I liked Woody Allen. Yeah. Because I loved his movies, Take the Money and Run, and he always made me laugh. Right. He had this, this that album. That one album. The double album. That's I it. shot a moose. Oh, so I, well, I took that album, and I had a piece of paper, and I diagrammed every joke about where the laugh was. And, and then how I they tried were structured. to think why they were laughing, and then the structure, how the two thoughts came together, and what, you know, and I just did that. Because I lived across from the Lincoln Center Library. Oh, yeah. And so you'd I, sit there and do that? Then I can, well, then I could take all the, because they had albums. Oh, right. You could check the records yeah, out. Check, sit there with yeah, the headphones and, uh, or at home. But I went, so then I said, okay, I'm going to do this. I went, I said, I'll, I'll put myself through comedy school. Mm-hmm. So then I went to, there was the Museum of Broadcasting, which had oh, yeah. just started up. Oh, it's great. You go rent them, the, you go and sit. And then you sit in the thing. Yeah. So I said, who else did my mom like? My mom liked Jack Benny. Right. So I said, okay, let's look at Jack Benny because I'm not an aggressive person. I'm a like a laid back kind of uh, a shy person. Mm-hmm. So it, it was meaningless for me, even though. You know, I became friends with Joan Rivers and Phyllis Diller, and oh. I knew they're wonderful women. Yeah. But their personalities were very aggressive. Bah, bah, bah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was an introverted Jewish girl. Yeah. So I decided to listen to introvert introverted Jewish men. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's how I started, and then with I, Jack uh, Benny, and, Woody Allen. Yes. Who and else? It was oh Jack Benny, and he used to have a friend, and they used to go George Burns. Yeah, well, it was George Burns, and I, I met him, and I did his ninetieth birthday party, and that was fun. But no, there was another guy, Bob, Fred Bob, Allen. Fred, Fred Allen. Allen. You went way back. Oh yeah, why yeah. not? And Great then idea. because I lived in New York. Yeah. And at that point. They had all these great comedic film festivals. What about Gracie? Gracie is. I liked Gracie you, Allen. I did, but I couldn't really relate to her. Um, the 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 degree of ditziness, va- vapidity. Is yeah, that a word? Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think, think so. I made yeah, up a word. Yeah. I couldn't relate, and somehow that people compare me to that anyway. But they're I, not listening. Yeah, but I just didn't really yeah, get, get that. Anyway, I liked so, her. So the film festival. So then I said, "Look at all these things I can learn from," and I started going to the Preston Sturgis film festivals and the Jacques Tati and Buster Keaton. Wow. And Charlie Chaplin, and you know, and it was just fantastic. It was like a whole world of a whole school you, I could go to every you, day. You built a curriculum for I yourself. I did. I went to my only, and more importantly, I kept my mind busy, so I was wasn't thinking about my mother and my horrible, you know, time that I had. Sadness. Yeah. So instead of exhausting my body, I decided to ask, <laughs> exhaust my mind. Sure. And at this point, you're like, what, in your 20s, late 20s? 20, yeah, late 20s. I ch- changed careers. Yeah. and But I, I love it, though. Did you Do you find that all that stuff with the intent of... Doing stand-up, that that taking in Chaplin and Keaton and Jacques Tati, do you feel like that informed you? Or I that, hope so. How could it not? How but, could it not? I mean, I can't like put my finger on it and say, "Oh, this is this," and you know, this is where it came together. But I think it all does. I even started reading books about um, 
Sigmund Freud's uh, lessons wit and, and wit and wisdom. Yeah, yeah. And relation I, to the unconscious. Yes. And yeah. I, so you get into the science of it. I tried, and a lot of it I didn't get. And yeah. some of the jokes no that does. he said, I didn't think were funny. No. But I said maybe something will go in. What about That's Groucho? What, uh, I like Groucho, but again, he was a, a different personality. That's, yeah, sure. He yeah, was a yeah. much more aggressive personality. So, but but ultimately, the the bottom line is the joke writing structure was really the ticket. Yeah, in. yeah. You know, and I sit there and I go, and um, where is the laugh? Why do people laugh? I mean, that's where I started. And then I had such good friends. I still have really great friends from my all of my years in theater and 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 everything in Miami. Yeah. And I would leave messages. Is this funny? Is this a joke? Yet? So you haven't gone on yet, but you're you're driving your friends crazy. Oh yeah. That's what we do. Oh, can, all can you the guys time. Just, yeah. Is How about this, this? Is this anything? What yeah. if I said this? And my friends are not yet, Rita. You know. <laughs> But uh, eventually, I got to a joke, and then I got to another joke, and then you remember it kept your going. first joke? Absolutely, you do. Mm-hmm. What was it? It was um, I broke up with my boyfriend because he wanted to get married, and I didn't want him to. <laughs> that was my first joke. <laughs> See, it still works, and it ends on a, a letter, it, to a word with two letters in it, uh-huh. and it's a sharp sound. Yeah, and he, yeah, and yeah. I was so excited. I thought, I thought of a joke. I thought of a joke. He wanted to get married, and I didn't want him to. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's, yeah, it's a Rita Rudner joke. Yeah, and that was my first joke joke. So when did you first go on? How did that happen? Um, well, I sat and, you know, for I found out that auditions were Mondays. and At the improv. At the improv. Yeah. And people would get there early and bring chairs and books and things. Oh, really? Yeah, and sit there all day to get a, a, a chance to audition. Yeah, and my for first, silver. Yeah, and the first time I sat there and I didn't get in... And then I said, okay, i got to get there earlier next Monday or whatever it was. And I sat on the street. They didn't take numbers. You actually had to wait on line. And uh, there was a line. Catch a Rising Star, they took numbers. Had the numbers. numbers. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Oh, I first tried a Catch a Rising Star when I was in Annie with my friend who was a singer. And we got a number and we were on at 2 a.m. And we did a singing uh, thing. And that didn't work at all. Who so, was the guy in charge of those numbers then? Mark yeah. something. Yeah. I remember Mark who, who was very... Um, Hung over all the time. Oh, right. I can't remember his name. Right. His name. Finally, I get into the improv uh-huh. and. Uh, well, you got three minutes? Three minutes. And I think I had three minutes of material. Yeah. And Chris Albrecht passed me and said I could hang out. So Albrecht was the manager and yeah. also. And I think he was like the manager, bartender, or yeah. But I mean, and then he went. He went on to become. Uh, he, now he's the head of um, Epics, or uh, no, first stars. He was the head of HBO. Now he's the head of Stars. Right. But he was very supportive of me, and he was the manager, and um, he passed me and said I could hang out. He yeah. felt I had potential. Mm. So. I would watch the people every night and say, "Why is this funny tonight?" And why are you getting the most funny? out of? Um, there was a comedian called Ronnie Shakes. Sure, and passed away. I loved Ronnie Shakes so much, and he had very structured jokes, and they were easier for me to figure out. He was at a that great comic, point. that guy. He wasn't he? I yeah. loved him. I still quote his jokes all the time. There was another very funny comedian called John DeBellis. DeBellis, who, yeah, who became a, a comedy writer, yeah. and I liked his his jokes and I could take different things but the most important thing I just thought 
the the first time I got up on stage, I was funny between jokes. Uh, right. You know? Right. Why, on purpose? No. I was just, <laughs> As a reaction? As a reaction to them not laughing to what I had said. Uh-huh. And I was funny about it. I said, why didn't you laugh at that? I thought that was so funny. You said you know? that? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, well, let me try this one and see if you'll laugh at this. And Very then, honest. Then, yeah, well, that was my... I like to be honest. Yeah. So, so um, I guess that's why Chris thought it was funny. It wasn't because I was writing anything at that point. Right. But I could just see... <laughs> You just the, couldn't understand why, why, what why? it why are what how is this not working <laughs> <laughs> this is supposed to be so good and i had it in my head and it's not doing well that's better doing that than like just falling into yourself and, and no you know. and my first heckler said why don't you um get a job or something and i said well i don't even have a response to that because i'm so new with this so come back later another time and maybe i can answer with something very very witty how'd that do it was good <laughs> yeah the, but uh, anyway so then i get yeah. and then there's another comedian a female comedian called carol siskind i know carol yes well, yeah who's very funny comedian she's still around i don't think she does stand up anymore well she was uh she was still very good friends with silver yeah and I just could not get on at the improv. And Silver just hated me. And she came over to me once and oh. said, I can't put you on anymore because of your voice. And I said, what oh, do you she's mean? she's to talk. I said, what do you mean? She said, You're, you have a bad comedy voice. Ugh. And unless you go take a voice lessons and you can't. So I said, well, the only problem I have, Silver, is people are laughing at what, because I was getting better. Yeah. And people are laughing at what I was, because I also went to all the, you know, the uh, places where they had microphones and they were restaurants open and the mics. bars, open mics, everywhere. So one night, Bill Maher is there and he said, you know, you're really funny and Silver is really being mean to you. Come over to Catch a Rising Star and I will put you on. This because, is like 82? Yeah. Yeah. So Bill was the first one. He still says, I was the one. Yeah. So he, he let me um, on at Catch a Rising Star, and then I stopped going to the improv because I couldn't take the abuse anymore. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Silver was rough because I, when I started, in when I was in New York in the late 80s, you know, it was sort of the last days of that place. Mm. And she was still, you know, pretty tough. I mean, she liked me, but, it, you know, you never knew what you were going to get. She didn't like me yeah. one little bit. It's funny about Bill Maher because Bill Maher is a, is a with comics is is pretty loyal and and a good audience. Like if he, oh he's such a good laugher. Yeah, he he really yeah. like it's, it's a rare thing after a certain point with comics, but he loves to laugh. And he like, does. If he likes a comic, he'll laugh. He'll sit there and yeah, laugh. Yeah, I with... haven't seen him for a really really long time. Oh really? But we but we used to hang out all the time when in in the days. So Catch Rising Star, tell me about that because that was the club. It was. But I did was you on... do Dangerfields and stuff? Yeah, Dangerfields too. Yeah. Hi, I, who Rodney, was hosting then? Rodney, Rodney gave me my first break when I was um, on Rodney Dangerfield's Young Comedian Special. Oh, the, you were on the one, the, the big one in 85, the right? With, with Sam Kinison and, and uh, Saget Louis. and Louie. Yeah, and, and I was on that one. Louie Anderson, yeah. who I just saw the other night. Who's yeah. like, he's had this career resurgence. I know, it's amazing. He's so uh, thrilled. He's such a sweet guy. Yes, we've been friends forever. Well, I, yeah, I imagine you would like his work because he's We very, work together a lot. We're no, on the road do? together a lot, yeah. Very Jack Benny. Yes, exactly. So at that time, Catch a Rising Star, so what, is that the era? of you know Larry David Mark Schiff or Mark Schiff's the comic strip who was who was uh, oh going? Mark Schiff was there all the time yeah. Jerry Seinfeld Bill Maher Ronnie Shakes Pat Benatar in fact I was on the first maybe this was before Ronnie Dangerfield I was on one with um, 
Andy Kaufman. It was the oh, Catch, Catch a Rising right. Star 10th anniversary special. Oh wow! And they gave me three or four minutes to in as the new introducing the new young comedian Rita Rudner, even though I wasn't so young, because I already had a different career. But um, it was a very big thing that I was supposed to go on after Andy Kaufman. Yeah. And the producer said came in. Her name was Pat. And she said, I'm going to sneak you on before Andy because I don't know what the audience is going to be like after Andy Kaufman. Yeah. And she let me go on before Andy and I did really well. And it's true. If I would have gone on after Andy Kaufman because he did a big thing with somebody heckling yeah. him from the audience right. and the audience didn't know if it was real or not. And everybody right. got, became unsettled because that was what he did. Yeah. So anyway, I was very lucky. Did you like who were you hanging out with? Who were your pals? Uh, my big pal was a very, very funny woman named Marjorie Gross. Oh, I don't know if I know. Her. Oh, the funny! She was my first writing partner. I just loved her. She passed away too. Isn't that sad? And yeah. um, we we would write together all the time. Fred Stoller. Stoller's around. Yeah, I used to write I'd, with Stoller. I see Stoller. Do you talk to Stoller? No, because you know I'm a, I'm a mother and a wife, and I live in like Las Vegas, and, yeah, I, and you, I have like a whole different thing where, where right. I am now. Sure, of course. But I used to hang out a lot with um, Bill. Yeah. And I was just like one of the guys. Anyone who had a joke book, Gilbert. Yeah. We would just. Um, sit there with our joke books all the, the time. At the diner or something? No, I never went to the diner because I always went from club to club to club to club. Right. So, <laughs> I would uh, never hang out at no, the diner. No, two at the morning, two in the morning diner. No, I had to go back. I had to be at ballet class by 10. You were still doing that? Yeah. <laughs> I just got a ballet class by 10. But it was, it, it, when you look back on it, it wasn't, it, was it, it, like when I think about my crew, who I started with, those were great times. Oh, I loved it. Are you kidding? Yeah. My first job with Jerry Stanley, and um, we would go out and we would be in the car. I said it was always two comedians who were funny, and then the comedian who wasn't good but who had the car. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And driving to Jersey. Driving or to Jersey, getting lost, and people throwing peanuts at me, making twenty five dollars. It did, was. I loved it. Did you feel like at that time you would get flack or a negative reaction because you were a woman? I never really thought about it. I just wanted to write a good joke. Right. Um, so, and at the time you were starting out, did you feel that women were better represented or starting to get better represented? Because, like, when you went into it, you were like, "There's no women doing this." There's still very few. Right. Of course. But, you know, and also, um, I didn't really concentrate on am I a woman? Am I a man? Yeah. I wanted to do jokes that would work whether I. W That's one of the things I noticed about Woody Allen. He did jokes that would work whether you were a woman or a man. Yeah. The so jokes I just were their own the thing. jokes. I just wanted to write good jokes. Right. So you weren't the, a rambly. Uh, 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 like let's explore kind of person. You I kept it tight. I would love. I would love to be one of those, but I can't do it. I tried. Jerry Seinfeld used to tell me, "Rita, you're too you're you're too compact. You're going to have to write too many jokes because you're not leaving any air." Yeah. <laughs> and I said, "Well, I try to leave air, but yeah. no one's laughing at the air." Yeah, you have to make a, a much so longer joke about I, nothing. I know, yeah. and I tried, and I just I I envy people who could do that, but I but, couldn't do but it. But you know, it's you, your style. I was more enviable. You watch somebody like who are you? Watch? I was just watching someone the other night that when you do like jokes, like one-liners, like you know either Rodney style or however you're going to go. Mm. You know, the fact that you can write so many of them, if you can fill an hour with that, it's much more impressive than me rambling on for 11 minutes about my cats. Yeah, but it's that's a real talent, too. Right. Because, I, you know, that's something that I would aspire to do. George Carlin could do it really yeah. well, and he could expound on, on something and just make it bigger and bigger and bigger. And I don't have that personality. I've tried in my newest... Um, my new, the new special, the one that I just Tale did. Tale of Two Dresses? Yeah, to do jokes that have more, um, 
more words in them. <laughs> <laughs> but are they are they more personal? They're always personal. I talk about raising a 16-year-old daughter and being married for 30 years yeah. and um, getting older and you know my, my hard time that all older people have with uh, the social media things that are uh-huh. going on. And so I have to talk about things that are relevant and that's yeah. what I talk about. And you always did that really, do you think? Yeah, when I was dating, you know, I was single and I used to talk about boyfriends and I, you know, I used to say, I remember I had one boyfriend who broke up with me because he didn't want to get involved and I said, but I already have a joke about that you know i would like you to make up something else because this isn't helping my career so um so there was your joke so there was my joke and i and i had to you have to go along i can't make jokes about anything else except what's happening in my life how many comics did you date before you stopped that one (laughs) (laughs) uno that was enough of that (laughs) which one uh he he passed away everybody i everybody i touch yeah so i can't even say okay but uh only one (laughs) okay so okay so you're you're you did the the now you did you see andy a lot andy kaufman no Uh uh-uh so he was already sort of out yeah. of it by the time you were in. But like, Emo was around, right? Oh, Emo and I. I was on the road with Emo. That's what and I kind of remember. Emo and Larry Bud Melman and I oh, wow. went on a bus and truck tour of colleges. It was the most, the, the greatest thing I've ever done. Larry was, Bud Melman was always disconcerting to me. Oh, he was. I loved Larry Bud. Yeah. He would always, we were in the bus and we would be driving from one yeah. place to another. And every time we'd pass a Del Taco, he would want to go there and go, Mexican's nice. <laughs> And we said, we don't want Mexican, Larry Bud. And then Emo would be stealing the coleslaw. He would have coleslaw wow. wherever we went. Living on, living on the edge, you guys. It was it was really fun. And Emo, because I was an exerciseaholic. So Emo and I used to swim. We used to, when we were in a hotel, we were yeah. swimming. And he used to get out of the pool and say, Rita, I don't want to look too muscular because it won't go with my act. Am I looking muscular? I said, no, you're fine, Emo. You're, no one's going to mistake you for Arnold Schwarzenegger. You know, he's returned back to the character. Oh, has he? Yeah, because he went through about a decade there where he wasn't, but now he's grown the hair out again and he okay, looks- Okay, want to hear my favorite emo joke? Yeah. It always makes me laugh. I bought some, wait, I got some new underwear today. Well, new to me. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a great joke. It's a good joke. Okay, here's my favorite Larry David joke, because he had the best uh, opening joke. He was in the clubs, too. Uh when I was there, he used to go on stage. You know yeah. how Larry David yeah. looks. And he goes, I'd like to say a word about good-looking people. We're not well-liked. It's <laughs> <laughs> my, my favorite jokes. Aren't did, these great did jokes? Did you see him lose his mind a couple of times on stage? Did he? Oh, oh yeah. He would berate the audience. All the time. Right? Oh, and then Richard, there was another guy, Richard, who would berate the audience. He was really funny, though. Uh, I can't remember his last name. Not but Bells. He, no, not Belzer. Um, anyway, he used to go, the audience wouldn't laugh, and he used to go, there's nothing lower than an audience. It goes crayfish audience. And he, was, <laughs> he would leave. Wasn't that the best about being a comic back then, before you had to be worried about people tweeting about or whatever? That, I know. They would lose their minds sometimes. That's the, the thing that I would love for my daughter, because it's a thing that I've always been lucky enough to have, was something I love to do. Yeah. I loved Broadway when I was on Broadway, and I love comedy when I'm doing comedies. And if you have something you love to do, I think you can be okay it's, it's amazing like when you're a comic you, you you don't think about it anymore but how much time you spend in those rooms watching people go do that 
just stand up there. Yeah. Like hours and hours. But that's and, your that's your your education. Yeah, but, it's, but it's also great. Like yeah. especially if you like watching, you know, yeah. certain now, people. Yeah. Now then but like my husband cuz yeah. he he sees me do these acts. So, but he doesn't come with me a lot. But if he does, the only time he'll laugh is if I um say a joke that doesn't work. Oh, if yeah. I say a new you know, joke. No, that's comics are like that. Yeah, and he'll and just sit even, there and go. <laughs> yeah, it's not even a real laugh. It's yeah. like an acknowledgement. Oh, ah. I love that. I used to I was on the road a lot with Dennis yeah. Miller. He hey, really going to do the one about the holistic dry cleaner tonight. <laughs> I said, yeah. No, Dennis, thank you for reminding <laughs> was, me. It bombed. Oh, bombed badly. I don't even know <laughs> what, what was it. Was. I can't remember. Oh, you can't. No, right. something about going to a holistic dry cleaner. I thought that was funny in itself, and the audience just stared at me like I was from Mars. So in the eighties, like you were like a big act. I tried like, in to terms be. of on the road. Like you, like when you did the tour with Louie. Anderson, did you was that like the two of you co-headlining kind of thing? Yeah, was, I've been same doing, with but Dennis. I've, yeah, uh-huh. right. So like, because I remember those, they do these two headliner shows. Oh yeah, all the and time. travel a bit. Um, like, because I remember Louis used to do it with Roseanne sometimes. Yeah, I did it after Roseanne. Right, and uh, so I did Vegas with Louis a lot too, and Vegas with Dennis a lot. So after the the Dangerfield thing, when do you think you you know you became sort of capable of of doing the hour of doing those bigger shows of drawing? Well, then I kind of went like st- I do every rung, you know. Oh, yeah. So I start with the improv where you do what twelve shows a night and you get paid two dollars, right? And then that was in Vegas, and then my, my career kind of kind of blossomed little by little, but yeah. I could tell from Vegas. Vegas. So I went, and then Jeff Altman. I remember I was on what TV. A big butt steak. Yeah. yeah, I was on um, on Flip You Like or something. Yeah, Flip You so, Like a cheeseburger. Yeah, cheeseburger, right yeah, cheese yeah. omelet. Oh, so um, I went and I started being on the Letterman show a lot, and that kind of got me a bigger audience. And you then, had a good relationship with Dave. I never knew him personally, but he yeah. would have me on right. the show quite a bit. And yeah. Bob Morton used to have me on the show all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, like in the eighties. Yeah, yeah. So I went to Los Angeles, yeah. and then I couldn't get you on the here. Tonight Show. You I lived, lived here. in Los Angeles. Yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't get on the Tonight Show because Jim McCauley hated me. Ugh. And I auditioned him for about five years. You auditioned for him for five years? Yeah. And then After when... you've done Letterman, like oh, 10 yeah. times. Oh, yeah. yeah. What an ass. Yeah. Yeah. And he, every time I would get on stage, he would walk out until Alex Friedman, Bud's wife, yeah. said, what is your problem? This is a very funny woman. You have to listen to her. So he stayed in. Yeah. And he listened to me and said, okay. I'll let you on the show, but you have to totally rearrange your material. And what does that mean? Order wise? Yeah. And he said, For This is, I, I want yeah. you to do this, 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 and this. Yeah. And he said, Also, do you know who Mary Lou Retton is? This is true. This is what he said. And I said, Yeah, she's a gymnast. Look at her timing. I said, She's on a board flipping backwards. What yeah. do you mean? He said, She's got good timing. You have to look at her time. Oh, <laughs> what? He's been drinking, you know, because he used to drink. <laughs> So he said, tomorrow night, let's go see you at the Hermosa Comedy and Magic Club. So I said, okay. So I do his, I rearrange it. And it's uncomfortable because it's not coming from me. Right. And it's a mess. But they don't do that, though? The producers, they tell you, you oh, close with this or do this. Yeah. So so you're doing eight minutes, right? Well, so I don't know. I remember it was a mess. And I couldn't remember what came. And I said, ah. So he came up to me, to his credit, and said, it was better the way you did it. And he gave me a shot. Did you do a backflip or I dismount? Said, you know, I watched Mary Lou Retton. <laughs> it made all the difference. So I go yeah. and um, I'm on The Tonight Show and Johnny really liked me and then kept having me on all the time. That's great. And that was really good. You got in under the wire. I did, didn't I? Yeah. Yeah. And he was very nice to me. I mean, because he was a shy guy. 
Johnny. He, yeah. And he used to come in and even say hello to me in the makeup room oh, and, that's nice. you know, how was your day and yeah. everything. So I was, he was very sweet to me. So you did both Letterman and Johnny yeah. like a, a, a couple dozen times yeah. between the two of them. Yeah. So you come out here. So you're good. You're doing good. You're building more. Like, so I imagine you're doing Carson you, you, mm-hmm. at that time. That would make a big difference at the club or wherever you were going to be. Yeah. And I, I started getting HBO specials. I got my own specials. And, what was the first special? Uh, I did well, my own or with somebody else. No, I your did, own. Did you? Do my one own for... was uh, Rita Rudner. I know that bit of it. It was something about mild. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, born to be born mild. to be mild. Oh yeah, that born, born to be, be mild. mild. That yeah. was it. Yeah. And then I did Married Without Children. Both for HBO. Yeah. Those are big. That's big. Yeah, and then but I did loads of things in between the Women of the Night special yeah, and One right. Night Stand special, yeah. and then one in um, New York that I can't remember the name of. It was at the Madison Square Garden special. And I said, loads of little specials and where I was in. And yeah, did, and you're so you're working. You're making good money on yeah. the road. Uh huh. But do, and you did some TV acting. You were no. in there throughout. No. No. No, I got finally got some um, a pilot script deal. Yeah, and a pilot in the late eighties, probably. Yeah. yeah, and it was good and didn't get picked up. And then I got a script deal. Yeah, and that this one I wrote with another girl whose name was Wendy Goldman. Who's a really funny comedy writer. Yeah. And it was very good. It was called Dames, and it was about uh, like the young Golden Girls yeah. and three divorced women living together in Chicago. Spinsters? Uh, no, we were divorced. Okay. Oh, is that a spinster if you're divorced? I don't know. I just thought I'd I call back know. the okay, word spinster. Okay, I like that spinster. Thank you. So, um, and Les Moonves was the head of CBS. The disgraced Les Moonves. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I don't know. He didn't like a show called Dames. <laughs> so, <laughs> about people bitching about men. Uh-huh. So, he didn't pick it up wow when, in 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 light of the recent uh i know yeah, the, makes sense yeah the him too movie. you're probably yeah you're probably lucky <laughs> that he didn't like it i don't know yeah. he didn't like it didn't put it on and it was really funny we did a big presentation of it at um the i not the comedy store the one that's on laugh the laugh, laugh factory. factory yeah and we did a whole where I had Bob Saget, my friend Bob Saget was in it, sure. and two other women who were so funny, and it yeah. like killed. Yeah, and you it did was a table read, a table, yeah. a table read, and yeah. part acting part. Uh huh. And they passed like before I could get to the parking lot. That's so, no reason, right? That it's just not for us. Uh-huh. You're very talented, not for us. Ugh. So this is when my husband and I. When we, did you marry that guy? I married him. Well, he came in to Catch a Rising Star one night because yeah. he had jet lag and he was looking at shows. He was a producer in Australia. And That's what I heard. I remember like there was like a, some point in your career where like I was like, what happened to Reed Rudner? And they were like, I think she went to Australia. Yeah, I did. I went to Australia. <laughs> and I was like, is that is that a thing people do? You well, and Jeff Stilson. Yeah. remember Jeff? Well, Martin was the, peop- was the person bringing all the comedians to Australia. Oh, there you go. Yeah. So he's looking for shows. He's so a he's Catch a Rising Star. So he's looking for shows uh-huh. at Catch a Rising Star. Yeah. And he says, well, she's funny. And he hires me to do the Edinburgh Festival first. Because in England, why are you going, ugh, you don't like that? The Edinburgh Festival was not good for me. It's turned into quite a clusterfuck. Maybe when you oh, did it. Oh, no. I, it was just sort of like nine people a night. There was a thousand shows going on ah, simultaneously. Okay. But maybe when you do it, it was there was a more... Uh, well, I did it 100 years ago. So it was a long acts. time. It, it must have been... 34, 35 years. Well, oh, what, my gosh. 35 years ago. Well, what, wow. My gosh. What was the festival like? Just two venues? I mean, it wasn't. A, I mean, it was still a lot, but it wasn't a thousand. It wasn't a thousand, yeah, 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 yeah. and there weren't many comedy shows. Oh, okay. 
So anyway, so I start working for him. I'm not, uh, no relationship or anything. Mm-hmm. But um, he keeps calling me and saying, because I had a boyfriend in New York at that point. I didn't want to go anywhere. <laughs> and one day he called me up and said, do you want, I have a new show I'm doing yeah. in Australia. I moved from England to Australia. Please yeah. come. Because he'd done it a year before and I wouldn't go because my boyfriend. What kind of new show? Like a- I, I want to do, what did he want to do? Was he doing stage shows? Oh, it or? was it was a new theater that he wanted to open up on the Gold Coast in Australia, yeah. which is like the Hawaii yeah. of Australia. Right. And he, so he calls up, and at that point, I just had a huge fight with my boyfriend. And Perfect it was timing. Christmas time, and yeah. I said, I'm not going to sit here and be miserable about this stupid guy. So I went to Australia and for Christmas, and, and I'd known him for years by then, like two, three years. Yeah. And I moved in, and that was that. That was that? Yeah. And you lived in Australia? For a while, yeah. A little, a long time. I mean, I'd go back and forth and spend a lot of time in Australia. Mm-hmm. But was it, uh, that was primarily for the relationship, not because comedy was so good in Australia. Both. You, you became a big star in Australia. I did lots of television in Australia. I mean, well, not a big star, but I did, I played I think, I think if you hang around long enough in Australia, you get on TV, right? I mean. Yeah, not really, but <laughs> no. yeah. <laughs> but it is a smaller marketplace. It is. Sure, no, yeah. I know. I, I've, I've performed there, and I've noticed that about, like, even England, that because of the, the, the sort of size of the media landscape there, you, if you're good, you're going to get on and maybe get a show and you know, be regulars. And... It it's, get, gets increasingly more difficult as time goes on, uh-huh. but uh, at that point, I did get a lot of TV experience exposure in Australia. So you must have been generating a lot of material. I try. I always yeah, try. Right. I never know when it's going to come out or not, but I keep trying. But, uh, but, because like there were, like, did, what, am I wrong that Jeff Stilson lived in Australia? Did he live in Australia? Do you know he him? W- yeah, of course I know yeah. Jeff Stilson. Yeah. He was there, right? My, my husband brought him there and Richard Jenny and Larry uh, Amorose. I know my friend Richard Jenny. But did Stilson stayed though? Didn't he marry an Australian? He could have done. I think he did. Yes, I think he did. You're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was very funny. But my husband, when we, start, when we got yeah. together, I said, you know, I'm not going to live in Australia. Yeah. And... He said, "Well, um, I can do my show from my job from anywhere. I produce shows as a phone." And he he moved to to Los Angeles with me. So you're both in Los Angeles mm-hmm. now. You're touring like you're touring solo, but then you you talk about Vegas. Now I don't I haven't talked to a lot of people who have had the experience you've had in Las Vegas because like to for me the type of comedy I do I I, I somehow avoid Las Vegas, but I know that if you get a residency in Las Vegas, that that is where you can really sustain. A high quality of life, a good living, and you know, perform forever. How do you how do you enter that world? Was that for your husband producing, or how that work? Yes, yeah. St- but it's step by step. First, yeah. the improv. Then me, they wouldn't have a female headliner. The improv with no in man. Vegas. Yeah, yeah. Then they wouldn't have a a, a woman with no man. So yeah. it was me and Jeff Altman at right. the Sands. Then I got a contract at the Sands uh, to do your own Louis, show at a room. Louis in a me, room. Yeah, but it was the Copa room. With me, Louis and I used to do it. Louis like Anderson. how many weeks? Like you. Know, like, like like eight weeks a year or something uh-huh. back and forth. Then I started opening for Julio Iglesias and you know uh, people in that Caesars. And Who else you open for? A lot of Sergios. Yeah, um, Sergio. <laughs> I remember their first name yeah. was Sergio, yeah. 
Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I always know this about, about billboards for Action Las Vegas. I'm like, who is that? Well, this now it's one all, name. Yeah, now it's all DJs. DJs, so right? You know. just Diplo. see these signs. I don't know who Diplo yeah, yeah, just so I keep mouse head. Johan. It's yeah. like, who is that guy with the haircut? Who's on Marshmallow? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so I go and then I go step by step by step. And then Dennis and I are at the MGM. Louis and I are at Bally's. For like eight weeks, 12 weeks. Yeah, a year. Spread out. And it's every. I notice every time I go to Vegas yeah. with Martin, we have a great time. Uh-huh. The audiences are good. I come out with a lot of money. We're happy. Then I go back to Los Angeles and I get my head kicked in. You're just another one of the people. And my my scripts are well. Not Martin and I wrote movie scripts that sold very very well. Oh yeah, but, like which ones? Um, well, they get made. They didn't know. They never get made. But uh, but you did. You wrote but the we, scripts. We got we sold specs yeah. and oh, great. we had we did really well. So you're but doing it was that. a. Well, I'm having meetings with these um, movie executives, and yeah. my head is hurting. Yeah. And I lo- the last one, Martin and I rewrote um, Green Acres, uh-huh. and we pitched this thing to Green Acres. That got made, didn't it? No, it never uh. got made, and because it, it's the thing that's going on with uh, the re- revivals yeah. and everything. Right. And I said, you know, we're just gonna we're gonna pitch this of who we're gonna do it for. Yeah. And we're gonna do an outline, and she's gonna approve it. Yeah. And we're not gonna take any chances. We're gonna get every because you know these people they're so mean when yeah. you go in and you're writing and writing and writing. I don't like it. I don't like this. I don't like that. And who do the it hell again. are they? You know. Yeah. I said, well, you do it. Yeah. Actually, I'm getting mean. Yeah. You know. So I go in, and this woman is so mean to us about oh. this script, and I'm sitting there with my arms crossed, and my I won't even take. My my sunglasses off <laughs> and I said you did you approved everything with and Martin said how you know he's usually the one that goes on and I said I just can't do it anymore yeah this is too upsetting yeah so I got it this call to work a little room in Las Vegas at the MGM that they didn't know what to do with uh the Catch Rising Star Room in oh, yeah, the, I remember. at yeah. the MGM yeah. because the crazy horse girls were coming and they were negotiating and uh-huh. the contract wasn't coming together did six weeks there, sold out, turned into six months. Yeah, at they, Catch. Yeah. They, we renamed it. Martin renamed it. It was called the uh, something theater. I'm not so they, Oh, so they got rid of Catch. Oh, yeah. They got rid of Catch and replaced it with me. Well, that was when Rich Fields had sort of opened a bunch of catches everywhere, right? Yeah. For a minute? Yeah. yeah. But then this, And Went then away. it was a game show after that they mm. did there. And So anyway, Martin renames it the, the Palace Theater. I forget what it is. Yeah. So then um, they offered to build me my own theater at New York, New York. Wow. And it was a big decision. And Martin and I, we, you know, we were doing well. We were writing scripts. I was still getting jobs on the road. And did we, you do other writing? Did you write for the Oscars? I did three years. I wrote for the Oscars with Steve Martin Was and that Whippy great? Goldberg. Oh, I love Steve Martin. Yeah. He's, he's one of my idols. Nice and guy I, to you? Really nice guy. Oh. I just, he's one of my idols. And uh, it was one of the all-time great experiences working with Steve. With Whoopi, I was already living in Las Vegas, yeah. so I didn't get the day-to-day things, even though Whoopi has always been wonderful to me as well. Right. But um, So you Steve, got your own theater. But Steve yeah. and I, were I was we were always at his house writing. It was really oh, that's fun. great. Yeah. So um, we said, do we keep banging our heads against a wall here? You know, yeah. you don't want to go to in a LA. party every day where no one likes you. <laughs> yeah. And so I said, you know, it's like you creating your own thing here. Yeah. You get to do what you want to do all the time. Right. So um, Martin said, I will produce the show. We'll adopt a baby. We'll sell our house. We sold everything. We sold our dishes, our <laughs> silverware, our couches, uh-huh. everything. And we just moved to Las Vegas. And I stayed there for 12 years or 13 years with my own show. 
in your own theater? Six years in my own theater. Yeah. And then I, I shifted from a Harris to the Venetian. So when you do that, like, what is the week? You do what? Thursday, Friday, Saturday? What? I did the first six years, I did five, six nights a week. For how many weeks a year? All the time. Wow. I just, because Martin, because he's a producer, said, when you're making money, make Keep all the money you can. That's because right. Because soon you won't be making any money. <laughs> he yeah. said, I know this. You have your window. Yeah, this is your window. Yeah. So if there's sold out, I'm adding another show. And, and you will be happy you did this. And, and also the great thing about Vegas is that, you, you know, if you are known to be a good show in Vegas... You know, people will go out of their way to see you, even if they might not know you or whatever. But like, if you want to see something funny, this is where you go. But also, we got in at the right time. Again, so much of life is timing. When we went, there were um, there was one Cirque show just opening over at the Mirage. Cirque de Soleil show. Yeah, yeah. And we were against. We called it. It was Lord of the Dance. We called it Lord in My Pants. Yeah. And we, <laughs> yeah. it was Lord in My Pants yeah. at the big theater and uh -huh. an FX EFX show, which was at the MGM, which wasn't very good. And so there wasn't a lot of competition. Martin noticed that there there weren't a lot of comedians there. Who was there, comedian wise? There weren't any comedians doing there. residencies like that. No, really, nobody. Not yet. No, he created that, and he said we're going to create this one. Uh, he said, I'm going to build you a smaller theater, had 400 seats, yeah. so you can do it every night instead of these thousands of you know, yeah, things, right. so, and then create uh, an existence. And um, also, I, you know, I, I, I do charities whenever I can where I live, but yeah. I did loads of work, you know, and my dog was in the show, too, my sheep, I know, the sheepdog. Yeah. And um, he did charity work too. He was on billboards for other dogs. <laughs> All in Vegas. Yeah. Yeah. And you so, and, and you... we were able to raise a little girl. Yeah. And I would go to work at seven, be home by ten, no more traveling. Yeah. And it was great. And it, it, you don't live there anymore. I live there part time. Yeah, I live there a lot of the time as well. Now I'm negotiating a new contract with another male headliner at a different casino. Which but headliner? I can't say because until it goes through. But like it, it would be fun. One of your generation? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. And when you're there as a performer, because like, you know, the old Vegas, you kind of got the feeling that there was a, a real community there and everybody hung out, but it doesn't seem like that was the Vegas you were in. I don't ever do that, you know? I did it when I was single. Yeah, yeah. I hang, I'm like a sure. mother, you know? Right. I have my friends, daughters, mothers, and I, oh, okay. you know, yeah. I'm just, I have a different lifestyle now. But when did the other comics start coming in, doing what you were doing? So I'm doing the um, MGM, the little room at the MGM, and I get a call from my old friend George Wallace. Oh yeah, he's like, yeah. He loves Vegas, and he said, how'd you get that room? And I said, uh, I created it. Yeah. <laughs> My uh -huh. husband and I built it. Uh -huh. <laughs> I want that room. I said, okay, well, you're going to have to get your own room, George. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he did. So then he did. And then um, Carrot Top uh, the, he's at the came in Luxor. Luxor, yeah. Yeah. And he has his residency there now. And then it just started, you know, then I think word got out that you can make a really good living and you don't have to get on a plane every day. So that's something that happened in the 90s, you're saying, basically. I know uh, two thousand. I started in the year two thousand and one. Wow! So that whole thing, like I, I mean, like a lot of comics. Uh, I mean, a handful of people that can do it do it. Mm. Some comics have rooms there that they book. I mean, uh, what's his name had that one that people do, but it's not a residency. But it was he booked it. Uh, Steve, oh, the guy from the uh, Sopranos. 
Oh, right. yes, I know him. He was Sharippa. really nice. Yeah, Sharippa. Yeah. Oh, how funny was Steve Sharippa. Yeah, but he booked a room. Yeah, I remember he was at the Desert Inn. Yeah. I remember. And he used to come in and have the shrimp. <laughs> and, <laughs> and the shrimp is very good. Shrimp on a stone. Yeah, and and Sandy, like, well, I talked to Sandy because I was, you know, I loved his father. You know, yeah. That, and I was curious about his life. And he, I guess it was long before you were there, but, you know, he used to sort of carry on that old tradition of having a variety show in a little hotel and booking things here. And I there. have to tell you, one of my biggest um, epiphanies mm-hmm. was um, Sandy Hackett invited. I just had moved to Los Angeles, and he had a big party at Buddy Hackett's house yeah. in Beverly Hills. Uh-huh. And all the comedians came, and there was a pool and a waterfall yeah. and a gorgeous. <laughs> and I said, Oh my gosh, jokes built this house. Yeah. I'm going to write a lot of jokes because I want a really nice house. <laughs> <laughs> that happened at Buddy Hackett's house? Yeah. Did you know Buddy? Uh, I met him, but I yeah. knew Sandy mostly. Yeah, yeah. And But I just remember, just write a lot of jokes, Rita, yeah. and you can have a big, nice you house. You can have a nice And yeah. he did it. And I did it. I wrote a lot of jokes, have a nice house. Well, it sounds like your life is great. It's pretty good, I have to say. And this new special you did with um, comedy... Comedy Dynamics. Yeah. Yes. When it drops when? It's now. It has just dropped and it's 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 dropping as we speak. I wow. can feel it dropping. People, yeah. Yeah. And it's called Rita Redner, Tale of Two Dresses. And my daughter is at the end because she's a singer-songwriter and she's really good. And I don't know, now she wants to be a policeman, but who knows? Oh, yeah. She's let her I said you'd be a musical, a musical policeman. <laughs> yeah, we need more musical police. <laughs> she person. likes forensics. What am I going to do? She's yeah. going to be a, a CSI musician. So, and this is available to download on iTunes. And iTunes that kind of thing. Yeah. and Schmitunes. Yeah, oh, it's that's also on Schmitunes. That's only available in Florida. Yeah, and yeah, that's good. That's <laughs> in Schmitunes. And it's in, uh, wait, it's more people, it's more, pl- Google, it's on demand. Yeah, all, you can demand it. You in, demand it and then it comes. comes to you. If you <laughs> demand it, it will come. Okay. Great talking to you, Rita. Thank you for having me on your lovely show. It was great. It was Thank really you. I hope I, I hope everything is good. And I'm looking at a hammer yes. and some dice. Yeah, a lot of stuff here. And, and a giant. cat, a cat on a mosaic mushroom. mushroom. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I'm just 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 saying. This is my favorite thing. Though. That, I don't that know what hand that's exercise. going. And yeah. I'm going to give you a nice mug to commemorate oh, our time together. Oh, I love a mug. I'm a coffee girl. All right. That was Rita Rudner. Great comic. Uh, her comedy special, A Tale of Two Dresses, is now available on digital and on-demand platforms. You can also check out RitaRudner.com to see where she's performing around the country. And don't forget, there are a few tickets left to my Saturday night show at the Beacon in New York City. Go to WTFPod.com tour for the ticket link. And if you're at the Beacon show, you'll have the first chance to buy the new WTF Draplin Design t-shirt. And... That's it. I'm going to go out into uh, I'm going to go out into the day here, the beautiful day in New York. Vote, please, please, will you? Could you just do it? I did it. You can do it. Try to do the right thing. Do the right thing, can you? I'm going to go wander the streets. And by the way, I'm recording this on Sunday, so you know, don't think it's Monday and I'm wandering around. But it doesn't matter. I'm meeting Todd Barry for lunch. We're going to walk around and talk about uh, what we always talk about. Boomer lives! <laughs>